Well, it is so good to be with you again, even if it's not face-to-face. We're gathered today uh, in all parts of South London and beyond, even across the country, even across the globe. And certainly it means so much to me, and I hope to you as well, for us all to gather like this at this time, even if it's online, uh, to gather and to not give up meeting together, as it says in the book of Hebrews. Now, now is a challenging time. I miss you all. It'd be so great just to sort of hang out together, to greet each other at church, to to worship together in our church building, to enjoy the sun together in the church grounds after the service. That would be just so great. But we can't do that at the moment. And so for the moment, we gather like this. Now, so many of you have said that you have been surprised by the strength and the encouragement of the church community. And HTC Daily on Zoom has been the highlight of the day for so many people. And uh, I don't know if you've joined, but each day, Monday to Friday, there have been 150 to 200 of us in the church family on that video conference talking to God in prayer and hearing from God in the Bible. And it has been such fun. And if you aren't involved yet, do join us tomorrow morning. I think really there are sort of two groups of people on HTC Daily. Most people watching on video, but some just on audio. And I rather enjoyed this image that I was sent defining the two different groups on our HTC Daily. So however you are looking, whether you are scruffy and makeup free, or whether you're polished and perfected and frizzed up, do join us on HTC Daily, 8.30am each weekday morning. I want to recognise too how amazing the HTC staff team have been. They've been setting up so much, they've been moving so much online and they've been doing it with such a passion for Jesus and a passion for the vision of our church to see every life bearing fruit for Jesus. And they've been doing everything with such good grace in such a testing time. Now, to state the obvious, the coronavirus is a bad thing. It is bringing misery, it's bringing suffering, it's bringing death to people across the globe. It is a bad thing. But today, I I want to ask perhaps a seemingly sort of strange question, and it's this. What good can come from the coronavirus? We, We all know that it's a bad thing, that bad things are coming from it, but what good can come from this bad thing? I mean, the reality is that so much has changed in our world, hasn't it? Not just how we do church. Yes, that's changed. But so much more has changed. We've we've seen it in the pictures, you know, the streets, even Westminster and Parliament, empty. The supermarket shelves, empty. Disney World, empty. Clapham Common. Uh, Well, let's move on, shall we? Not quite so empty. That, that, That was images from the BBC homepage just a few days ago. Now, of course, not everything has changed. Jesus Christ, he is still the same. The vision of HTC, that is still the same. But what I think the coronavirus has particularly done is to bring each one of us perspective. A new and in many ways a more true perspective. And that is the good that I think can come out of this bad and difficult time. And so this morning, what I hope we're going to do is we're going to see how Joseph, with with all that he's been through in his technicolour life, we're going to see how he has come to have the same right and true perspective. And we're going to see that particularly in Joseph's two mini speeches that he gives in our Bible reading at the very end of the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 50. So first of all, we're going to see a right perspective on life. That's verses 19 to 21, a right perspective on life. 
Well, what are we learning about life right now? We're learning that life is far more fragile than we thought. There are things for all of us that we will be grieving. Many of us know someone who's had to go to hospital with the virus. Some of us, as I do, will know people who have already died. And even if we don't know someone, all of us will be grieving for things that we plan to happen, which are now not going to happen. Weddings that have had to be postponed, exams that are no longer happening, holidays that were the shining light on the horizon for us in our hectic lives, they're suddenly cancelled. You know, from our phones these days, we can control our finances with online banking. We can control our heating with remote thermostats. We can control our transport with Uber. We can now control our conversations with Zoom. But we have discovered we cannot control life. We are not in control. And this little bubble that so many of us have been in, a bubble of being comfortable, a bubble of feeling in control, it hasn't just been burst, it's been totally obliterated, hasn't it? In the space of just a few weeks... All the things that we so often worship, they've just been crumbling around us. Money, the the footsie has just fallen off a precipice. Sport, the Olympics that were tottering for so long, they have finally crumbled. Education, schools scrambling to provide tuition online. Travel, culture, entertainment, they've all gone. Even sex with the two metre social distancing rule, that has been challenged. Pretty much every possible idol that we let take the place of God, that we worship, that we dream of, that we work for, all those idols, they have all, one after another, they have crumbled. But God remains. God remains. Many of you will know that hymn, I Cannot Tell, written to the tune of London Derriere. I cannot tell why he whom angels worship should set his love Upon the sons of men. Well, a London vicar has written new words to that hymn in response to the coronavirus situation. And the first verse that he's written goes like this. He writes this. He says, I cannot tell why grief and sadness linger. Why jobs are lost and people face despair. When this will end, if vaccines come and rescue. Why isolation stalks the earth again. But this I know, Christ feels the hurt upon the cross. The Spirit weaves our lives together still. And some glad day through providence the Father may turn this wave of loss to glory by his will. And that word providence, providence is not saying that God has caused the coronavirus. No, of course not. But it is saying that this bad situation, it can be used by God for good. That is God's providence. God working for good in the face of a bad situation. And we can't always see it immediately. Often we can only see it retrospectively as we look back on a tough time. Sometimes we won't be able to see the good till we're in heaven. But the words of that hymn remind us that we can trust that some glad day, through providence, the Father may turn this wave of loss to glory by his will. And you know, Joseph, Joseph recognised this in his life. Think of Joseph, he'd been betrayed by his brothers, he'd been cut off from his dad, he'd been thrown in a well, he'd been sold as a slave, he'd been put in prison for 13 years. Joseph knew none of those things were good or right. Of course not, they weren't. And yet he trusts that God works things out for the good. 
It's that New Testament verse, well known, Romans 8, 28, that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Just look at what Joseph says to his brothers in, in our passage. Verse 19 says this. Joseph said, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. You see, in small ways, we see good coming out of this difficult time now. For some, it's a time to slow people down, to connect neighbours with each other, to grow community. It was wonderful just to hear all the clapping and cheering and whooping on Thursday night for all those who work in the NHS. And yet, I don't know about your thinking, but in my view, all that doesn't really outweigh all the major health traumas and the major economic traumas that we are facing. But you know where we do see God's providence most fully? It's in Jesus. Because Jesus, like Joseph, Jesus was betrayed. Jesus, like Joseph, Jesus faced all kinds of suffering. Bad things happened. Joseph recognised that he should not be in the place of God. And yet Jesus, he does deserve to be in the place of God because he is God himself. You and I, we might feel restricted and frustrated by staying in our homes, yet Jesus is someone who chose to be restricted. Jesus left the freedom of heaven. Jesus socially distanced himself from intimacy with the Father. He restricted himself, even to the point of being nailed to a cross in death. And yet that most evil of all acts, putting God on the cross, God used that for good, the saving of many lives. And so if today, in God's providence, if you and I and many more in our country, if you and I and many more see that life is fragile, see that all our idols are toppling, and see that Jesus Christ remains the one place of security and safety, then in God's providence, good can come out of this very bad situation. Secondly, secondly, I need to say that the coronavirus has also brought us a right perspective, not just on life, but a right perspective on death too. And Joseph shows us this. He shows us a right perspective on death. That's verses 24 and 25. Most of the time, most of the time in our, in our modern world, death is hidden. We live just around the corner from Royal Trinity Hospice. Pretty much every day in non-corona times, private ambulances arrive at the back entrance of the hospice. They reverse in, they pick up the dead body of somebody who's just died and then they head off again to the funeral home with the body. And yet most of the people who walk up and down our street, they are totally oblivious to what is going on. They don't realise the daily evidence for death, even on our street. You see, most of the time, death is hidden. Most of the time, death, it is tucked into the furthest back corners of our consciousness. And yet today, in this time, death, it has now been brought front and centre. The adverts everywhere from the Department of Health, what do they say? They say, stay at home, save lives. The NHS and Joseph, they are both involved in the saving of many lives. Each day we get the numbers, don't we? The, the daily count of deaths. Is it going up? Is it going down? Have we flattened the curve enough? How is our daily battle with death going? 
And the question is, what should our perspective on death be? What should our perspective be now that death is not hidden? Millions in our nation are wanting an answer to our greatest fear, death. And again, we can learn from Joseph. You know, it's so striking when you read the New Testament, Hebrews 11, that famous chapter of the roll call of all the Old Testament heroes. There's, there's just one verse on Joseph, just one. One thing mentioned about the whole of Joseph's life. And do you know what it is? It's not Joseph's ability to discern dreams. It's not Joseph's resistance to the seductive charms of Potiphar's wife. It's not even the fact that he forgave his brothers. It's not even that he, he saved many lives through his grain storage scheme. Just one thing is mentioned about Joseph's life in Hebrews chapter 11. And the one thing is this, that Joseph wanted his dead body taken to the promised land. Have a look at Genesis chapter 50, verse 24. This is the bit referred to in Hebrews 11. It says this. It says, Joseph said to his brothers, I'm about to die, but God will surely come to your aid and take you up out of this land to the land he promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And Joseph made the Israelites swear an oath and said, God will surely come to your aid and then you must carry my bones up from this place. You see, Joseph knows God's promise. God's promise that God's people will dwell in God's promised land. And that's why Joseph insists that after he dies, at some point in the future, his bones be carried from Egypt to the promised land. It's why in the very final verse of Genesis, Genesis 50, it finishes not with Joseph being buried in the ground, as you might expect, but his body instead it is embalmed and it's placed in a coffin but not buried. You see, the coffin was a visual reminder to everyone that one day God's promise would be fulfilled and that God's people, including Joseph, God's people would be in God's promised land. And Joseph wanted that to include him, for him not to be left buried in Egypt, but for his coffin to be taken to the promised land. And you know, today for us, the, the, the visual symbol of God's promise to you and me for the future, for a future beyond death, for a future in the promised land of heaven, the symbol today, it's not a coffin, but it is a tomb. It is an empty tomb. It is because Jesus Christ, he has died and he's risen from the grave that we can face even death without fear. Jesus Christ he has got through death himself and if we are connected to him if we're trusting him then he can get us through death too I love that phrase that Joseph says twice in these verses he says God will surely come to your aid aren't those wonderful words God will surely come to your aid and you know, that is the message of the whole Bible, that God will surely come to your aid. Joseph didn't fully know what he was saying, but all through the Old Testament, we see God coming to the aid of his people. In Jesus, we see God supremely coming to the aid of his people. And the great message of the Christian faith is that God comes to the aid of his people. He comes to the aid of all who turn to him, who want to be his people. And my hope and my prayer today is that each one of you listening, that God's providence 
and God's promise that they might come together in your life. That today you would recognise for the very first time or be reminded for the 1,000th time that in this fragile world where we all that we worship is crumbling around us, that you might realise that the one place of security, the one place you can turn to is Jesus. That the one who died instead of you, he took your place on the cross. He died to to pay the price of your sins so that your life might be saved. That you might trust him and that you might know the saving of many lives. And I pray that you know that as you turn to Jesus, God will surely come to your aid. I can't promise protection from the coronavirus. But as I point you to Jesus, I can point you to someone who will promise that he will be with you in life and he will be with you in death and he will be with you beyond death. He will carry you to the promised land of heaven. So if today, if today your perspective on life and death has changed, If you recognise that Jesus is the one thing, the one person that you need to turn to whilst all about us is in disarray. If your perspective has been changed and if you turn to Jesus today, then today good has come out of this bad thing. Shall we pray? I'm going to pray a prayer right now that you might want to echo in your heart if you want to turn to Jesus and ask God to surely come to your aid. So I'm going to pray a prayer now wherever you're sitting, wherever you are at this moment. If you'd like to pray it with me, do just echo it in your heart as I pray. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for changing my perspective today. Forgive me for looking to other things for my security in life. I recognise that you are the one secure thing. And today I turn to you. I ask you to save me. Thank you for dying in my place on the cross. And I pray that you would come to my aid. May I know forgiveness for the past. May I know peace in this troubled present. And may I know confidence that in you I need not fear the future, not even death. For you have promised to look after me for eternity. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.